Every business is unique. But the ups and downs we experience as we launch and run our businesses are pretty similar. We're Harmon Brothers, the team behind Pooping Unicorns and other weird but successful video ads you've probably seen. We help businesses grow through unforgettable video marketing, and we're no stranger to tricky situations. In fact, we embrace them. The goal of this podcast is to show how your crappy circumstances could be the golden opportunity that leads to your next success. You're listening to Poop to Gold. Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Benton Crane, your co-host and the CEO of Harmon Brothers. Now on today's episode, I'm very excited about this one because I have a guest who has a very unique skill set in helping people sell their businesses. So with me today is Michelle Seiler Tucker. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you, Benton. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, Michelle is the founder and CEO of Seiler Tucker Inc. And essentially, you guys coach businesses on how to then exit through a sale. Is that correct? We do. And you help broker those sales as well. We do. I really specialize in buying, selling, fixing, and growing companies. So we buy companies and flip them. I partner with business owners, investing my money, time, expertise, resources, and put them on a build to sell program. So I become an equity partner with them. I buy Mm -hmm. businesses and flip them. I fix them, I grow them, and I sell them. So buy, sell, fix, grow. That's what I do. And if I understand correctly, you have sold over 500 businesses. I have personally sold over 500 businesses. My company has sold over 1,000. Wow. That is incredible. Speaking in generalities that that won't get you in trouble, kind of paint a little bit of a picture for us so that our listeners can understand what a typical you know, what a typical one of these might look like. So um, we sold a oil manufacturing business, have been in business for many years, two partners, one in their 80s, one in their 60s. The 80-year-old definitely wanted out, wanted to do, you know, wanted to retire. They had customer concentration. 60% of their revenues was tied up in the BP contract. We appraised the business for, I think it was 9.3 million, including the real estate, which was about 1.2 million of the 9.3. Uh, we had about 550 buyers. Oh, wow. We got it down to 12 LOIs, 11 tents. Most of the buyers were extremely concerned with um, buyer concentration because if you lose the BP contract, then they lose 60% of the revenue. We mm-hmm. were able to find a strategic that had similar products and services as this company, different, because our company has several patents. This company had been trying to get into BP for many years and was unsuccessful. So their thought process was we buy this company, now we're in BP. (laughs) We can get our products and services in BP. So they ended up paying 15 million for the company that the seller ended up pulling out the real estate at the last minute and saying he's not gonna sell the real estate, his kids want it. So he ended up pulling out the real estate, which which was included in the $9.3 million price tag. The buyer paid $15 million for 70% of the company, which was 126% more than what the business appraised for. And he kept one owner on who retained 30% plus their salary and benefits. So that's one example. Wow. What an incredible outcome for those entrepreneurs. That's what I call from poop to goat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Michelle, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you end up where you're at today? And of course, 
part of that journey that we want to hear about is, you know, what are some of those poop moments that you had to overcome to get here? My background, you know, I'm, I'm not your typical child. I wasn't your typical child. I didn't play with toys. I didn't play, I didn't play with dolls. I would run around with a notebook and I would just walk up to strangers at the grocery store, banks, wherever, and ask them, what do you do? Who are you? What do you do? How do you do it? <laughs> at like seven years old. <laughs> so I've always been a people person. I knew I was going to be in entrepreneurship. I started small companies very young. I've owned many different companies and many different verticals. I don't like to be told what to do. So I knew I was going to be my own boss. Although I did go to work for corporate America, Xerox actually recruited me. So I was there for six months until my nickname became the closer. Cause every time they couldn't close the deal, they would call me and they would say, call Michelle, she can close it. And then within those six months, my manager came to me and said, you really should interview for the regional vice president position. That's over a hundred salespeople. And she said, you won't get it because you've only been here for six months and Xerox's policy is you have to be here for two years before they promote and you're up against a bunch of other people. And I'm like, well, why would I interview for something I'm never going to get? And she says, because of the experience, you'll learn so much going through this three-month process. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So I did it. I, I, I went through this three-month grueling process where I had to meet with all the high-level executives, I do Q&As, presentations, demonstrations of Xerox equipment. I ended up getting it. I ended up beating everybody. Wow. And so I guess I really am the closer. So that's definitely a poop to go moment. But then I realized I didn't like it. <laughs> And the reason I didn't like it is because I'm a people person. I love the art of the deal. I love meeting with clients. I love solving problems. I love coming up with solutions. And when you're in management for a Fortune 500 company, you're having meetings, schedule more meetings, schedule follow-up meetings, and really not get uh -huh. anything accomplished. And so I ended up leaving Xerox and I started a franchise sales, franchise consulting, franchise development business and became a partner with a few different franchisors where I had equity in their companies. And then I found myself kept saying no. I kept saying no, 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 because buyers would come to me and asked me for existing businesses. I'm like, no, we only have new franchises. And I said, God, I need to stop saying no. I need to say yes. You know, I need to transition into selling companies. And that's really how I started my M&A practice and um, started selling small businesses at first and then transitioned to selling much larger companies, you know, $10 million and up purchase price. But I learned very quickly that what Steve Forbes says is true. Eight out of 10 businesses don't sell. So 80% of businesses will never close. And so I, I said, gosh, if I don't fix these businesses, grow these businesses, put them on a build to sell plan, I'm going to starve to death. And these business owners are going to go out of business. So that's really how I kind of transitioned into fixing businesses, growing them and put them on a build to sell plan. When, so there's uh, lots of poop to go moments in there. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, uh, let, let, let's actually dive a little bit deeper there. When you made that jump, so you, you got this promotion that was totally unexpected and and they had to change their policy to get it. I imagine there's probably like this satisfaction and pride that comes with having accomplished something so big. But how quickly after was it that you realized like, oh, this isn't uh, this isn't actually what I want? I stayed for another six months. So I was at Xerox for a total of a little over a year. So you, so you knew and quickly so that, that that wasn't your long term thing. Yeah. What, was leaving yeah. it scary? No, because I already have my ducks in a row. I wasn't really planning on leaving totally. I met with a franchisor and I was going to buy one of their franchises and just operate it on the side so I could get my dose of entrepreneurship. They weren't really, you know, they only had a couple of locations and they said, well, Michelle, we know of you. We know of your reputation. We don't want you to just buy a franchise. We want you to partner with us, help put us on the map, and then we'll give you a franchise. So I said, well, let me try that out. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give it, you know, six months. But then I was doing things on the weekends, evenings, and 
so on and so forth and seeing if this was a good fit. And then I came back realizing that I made more money in those six months than I did wouldn't make it an entire year at Xerox. So you, you tested so it out as a side hustle. So when it was actually it. time to make a jump, it. it was like a no brainer. Yeah, I did. Cause I was making six figures, great benefits at Xerox. So I did test it. I'll, this franchisor was gonna be a good fit, but I didn't just stick with that franchisor. I worked with a lot of other franchisors too. So you, you make the jump over and you're on your own and now it's kind of, you know, eat what you kill so to speak. I know it hasn't been all clouds and roses since then, like growing into what you've become today. I know there was something along the way where, where times got really dark and things were, uh, things were black there, there for a few minutes. Talk to me about one of those moments. How do you know that? <laughs> one of the things that was really black is I realized that the franchisor that I originally partnered with had a different set of values than I do and a different set of ethics than I do. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that going in, you know, um, and I was selling uh, so many franchises and they were over promising and under delivering. Oh, no. And Which so then puts really your integrity on the line. Correct. And then it was a constant battle because I was sticking up for the franchisee who's my client. And by the way, my clients, I'm in their wedding. <laughs> I go to their weddings. I go to their delivery beds when I have their babies. You know, I'm at the uh -huh. birthday parties. These are my friends. And I was sticking up for them and franchisors getting upset because they're like, you're a partner. You need to stick up for us. I'm like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. So I'm like, it's stick up for you. I'm sticking up for the client, for the franchisee. So we never could really see eye to eye. So I had them buy me out. You know, it was a dark moment at the time. But then I realized that it was really an opportunity and a blessing in disguise for me to get out of that partnership. In the moment. Could you see that immediately or in the moment, was yeah. there kind of this feeling well, of like, oh, no, it's falling bit. apart? Yeah, I took, oh, my God, it's falling apart and all this work I did. I left Xerox and da, da, da. But I was working for other French, working with other franchisors. So I kind of had a little bit of a safety valve there, you know, a little cushion. But, yeah, it was like, oh, my God, I put all this effort and energy and selling all these franchises. And now this isn't going to work. Then I had to, you know, then we had to go to mediation. <laughs> and anyway, so, yeah, it was it was a dark time. I always say, you know, this two shall pass. How long did it take before you looked back on that? And instead of thinking, oh, I'm so glad that's over, you started to think, you know what? I'm grateful that I went through that because of whatever. It's hard to say a time frame because that was, you know, over 20 years ago. That was probably 21, uh -huh. 22. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to put an exact time frame, but, you know, like I had friends in a company that turned on me because I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I would say maybe a good two to three months, you know, three or four months, somewhere around there. I don't think it took six months. I'm pretty good at bouncing back pretty good at, at, at just looking forward and saying, okay, what's next? Yeah. I'm not going to cry what's over next? spilled what's milk. This, yeah. I mean, I was very upset at the time, you know, like different things in our life that devastate us, that upset us, mm -hmm. but I always try to put things in a perspective, you know, I'm still healthy. Yeah. I still have my brain. I'm still the closer. There's so many other things I, I'm going to do and can do and will do. Thank you for sharing that background. I think so many entrepreneurs are going through their own poop moments and it's always inspiring to, to hear from people who are now successful, but you know, it wasn't all roses along the way. It was hard to get there. So let, let's come back to today. I'd love to hear you talk to our listeners, 
who are mostly entrepreneurs. And I'd love mm -hmm. to hear the advice that you have for entrepreneurs today in 2021. First and foremost, I should all read my book, Exit Rich, because Exit Rich is for all entrepreneurs, all business owners that want to build a sustainable, scalable, and when they're ready, have an actual sellable asset because 80% of businesses uh -huh. won't sell. And so my biggest piece of advice is read Exit Rich. My other biggest piece of advice, which is outlined in Exit Rich, is to plan your exit strategy from day one of buying or starting your business. That's the number one reason that businesses don't sell is because owners don't plan to fail. They fail to plan and they don't think about their exit until a catastrophic event has occurred. Internal health issues, death, partners, dispute, divorce, external is a pandemic. And that's the worst time to sell your business. There are really more buyers for good businesses and there are good businesses to buy. So they really need to plan their exit strategy build their asset, you know, because really, if you think about it, Benton, your business is your most valuable asset. <laughs> <laughs> and you really should build it with the end in mind. And you need to build an asset that somebody actually wants to buy. And so many business owners have built a glorified job in which they go to work at every day versus a business that actually works for them. I would really read Exit Rich, plan your GPS exit model, go through what I call a seller sanity check and build your business on the infrastructure with the six Ps. That's what the franchisor did not do. You got to build the infrastructure. You know, chasing clients is good. Marketing is, you have to have marketing. You cannot have a company without marketing, but you got to build a solid foundation in order to handle the marketing. And you want to make sure that your business is sustainable. So you have a sellable asset when you're ready. Where is the best place for our listeners to find the book, Exit Rich? So the book comes out in June. And just a little bit about the book, my co-author is Sharon Lecter, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. She's a five times New York Times bestselling author. We're trying to make her six <laughs> with Exit Rich. She is a CPA, financial literacy expert, the advisor to many different presidents. And she writes the mentor's corner after each chapter of Exit Rich. Plus her husband is an intellectual property attorney. Steve Forbes endorsed Exit Rich saying it is a must read for all entrepreneurs as a goldmine for all entrepreneurs because too many entrepreneurs leave too much money on the table when they're exiting their business. And then Kevin Harrington wrote the foreword and Kevin Harrington was the original Shark Tank. It launches in June, but you can buy it now at ExitRichBook.com for $24.79. We will send you the digital download so you can start reading immediately. We'll send you the hardcover in June for no additional money to anybody that lives in the United States, we'll send you the hardcover. Plus we'll give you a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club. The Exit Rich Book Club has a lot of video content where I do deep dives and different techniques and strategies I've learned over the last 20 years. Plus documents, documents to operate your business, documents to sell your companies like sample employee handbooks, non-competes, organizational charts, policy and procedure manuals, sample letter of intents, purchase agreements, due diligence checklists, closing docs, everything you need to run your business. Things are hugely valuable. Huge. It's worth over $30,000 if you go to an attorney and try to recreate all this. And it's not just there for your mm -hmm. review. You can download them too. Plus, we're giving a 30-day free membership into Club CEOs. And Club CEOs is my um, entrepreneur and mastermind where we help business owners ask those transformational questions so they can pivot and build a sustainable, scalable, and when they're ready, sellable business. All for $24.79. I spent a lot more money than that on different things and got a lot less value. I, I believe it. I believe it. Uh, where's the best place for our listeners to stay in touch with you, Michelle? So my main website is SilerTucker.com, and they can also text Michelle to 888-526-5750. And all of my social media pops up so you can follow me on social media, connect with me on LinkedIn and visit me at my website. You can also email us or call us. So Michelle, obviously when you're working with an entrepreneur, you're going to be customizing the recommendations to that entrepreneur. But as you've helped all these different entrepreneurs over the years, 
Have you found kind of some common themes where, like, you know, it's kind of like 80% of entrepreneurs out there are doing this thing wrong? What would that one thing be? That one thing. Wow. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> I would say, let me just give you a little history really quickly, and then I'll tell you the one thing, okay? So okay. when I wrote my first book, Sell Your Business for More It's Worth, in 2013, I did the research and learned that 95% of all businesses that started from one to five years will go out of business. Startups will go out of business, right? We all know that's But when I wrote Exit Rich in 2019, 2020, I did the exact same research and realized that the business landscape has actually flip-flopped. So now it's only 30% of startups will go out of business. But out of 27.6 million companies, those businesses have been in business 10 years or longer, 70% of those businesses are at risk of going out of business. 70% will go out of business. You hear about the big public companies like Toys R Us in business 75 years, goes out of business. Kmart, JCPenney's, Montgomery Ward, Godiva, Chocolates closing down 1,500 locations. The number one reason for that is because business owners stop doing what I call AIM, A-I-M. AIM is always innovate and market always innovate and market. They stop innovating. You are yes. growing or you're dying. There is no in between. You're growing or dying. They stop innovating and they stop marketing. You can never stop innovating and marketing. That's one of the number one biggest mistakes that business owners make. Oh, I love that. That just resonates on so many levels. Well, I know you have a marketing company, right? Yes. You know, and so many people, so many business owners was cutting their budget for marketing because of the pandemic. I'm like, no, 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 that's that's not what you cut. <laughs> so I would go through the, yeah, the p and with in. them. I would go through their income statement and tell them the things that they should cut. And I said, okay, let's look at your marketing. Let's look at what brings you the best results and then double down on that. Cut costs here and double down on that. You don't cut marketing when things are tough. You figure out what works. You cut other operating expenses that you don't need. You figure out what works and then you double down. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you. And I really appreciate your willingness to share your expertise and experience with our listeners. Thank you for having me, Benton. It was my pleasure to be here. Go get exit rich. Yes. And for our listeners, make sure to like and share and subscribe. We'll see you on the next one. At Harmon Brothers, we're known for what we call our hero campaigns. These are big nationwide campaigns for brands like Squatty Potty, Poopery, Purple Mattresses, Lumi Deodorant, and many others. What makes these campaigns special is that they've helped scale those businesses by tens of millions of dollars each. Now, companies reach out to us on a regular basis wanting a hero campaign. They want that type of growth, they want that type of branding, and they want that type of awareness. But the simple reality is, most businesses and entrepreneurs aren't yet quite ready for that level of growth. So we've built what we call a hero incubator that is designed to help entrepreneurs and companies prepare for a hero campaign and to be ready for the type of growth that they're looking for. The Hero Incubator starts with a marketing audit. We offer these marketing audits for free and you can apply for one at harmanbrothers.com forward slash audit.